Welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. John chapter 6. Okay, so let's see first verse 29. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 39. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and, and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 48 and 49. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. Verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Mm-hmm. Verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and their life. 64. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe. And who would betray him. He knew who would not believe. He did not select who would believe. 68 and 69 please. But Simon Peter answered him. Lord to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. Okay, so today we're going to be exploring the great exchange. Yeah, he swapped it. Okay, so this one is one that has uh, been doing things in my body. But it is... His life for my death. His life for my death. Can we say it together? Because Christ died my death. I now share his life. And we all say he swapped it. Yes, he did. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. Can we have it in the King James? For the wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief. The what? Yeah. Okay. So here the thief, he did what? He commits not, but and and uh-huh. I am come that and that they might have it abundantly. Some people say abundantly and spell abundantly, but it is abundantly. All right. So um, we began and we read John chapter 6. And um, I picked out those verses because when Pav taught, he said, if you read through John 6, you find that Jesus emphasized a lot on life, on the fact that he came to give us life. And so I went to find the verses, yes, where those emphatic statements were. And um, so we see that at the heart of all that Jesus did, at the heart of the finished work of Christ, is the dispensing of life. That is the, um, Pav said something along the lines of, I can't remember what teaching it was, where he said that um, our, our life, our spiritual life, you know, Jesus dying on the cross and giving us life in the spirit is the greatest miracle ever. And that might not, it might not make so much sense to you until you start to critically look at it. There is nothing that God made as in creation that was difficult for him or that would have been as difficult for him as the giving of Jesus. And now we've given, of course, Pap said it a few weeks ago, that if giving you Jesus was the most difficult thing God could have done, you have all things, right? Now, if the giving of Jesus was the most difficult thing that God could have done, and the giving of Jesus is what brought us into eternal life, it therefore stands to reason that our eternal life that we have been given is the most difficult thing that God could have done. Pap taught us that God looked upon man and in man he saw the son that he was going to have in sinful man emphasis he saw the man or the the child or the son that he would birth out of what was otherwise corrupt does that make sense so Pav said that um jesus did not die to give you this life this one that you live now in the flesh he died to give you spirit life. Because if, if it were that the death of Jesus only gave people this physical life, then all the um, eight, about 8 billion people in the earth right now, they should all be believers, yes or no? Yeah. And the more than how many people have forgotten that number? But I read somewhere that um, statistically, so us 8 billion people who are currently living make up 7% of the entire world population ever do you understand so all the people who have lived before us yeah so now on earth we are about eight billion people and that's just seven percent of the entire number 
of humans who have ever walked the earth. That's a staggering amount of people. And what Jesus did on the cross covered every single one of those people. Whether they tapped into it or not. Whether they recognized it or not. Whether they accepted it or not. Make sense? Now, if it were that the death of Jesus only gave us physical life, or the death of Jesus was what would have given us physical life, then in all of that number of persons, they should all have been the saints of God. Right? So all those people who have died should be, at this point, just waiting eagerly for the hope that is to come. But that's not the case. Because Jesus did not die to give us physical life. Make sense? Okay, in um, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. What does the word wages mean? Payment. Payment due for labor. Somebody said salary. Okay. Reward. Okay. Remuneration. Right. Okay, so so um that's 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 actually the word. Um a wage is a remuneration. It's not a reward as such. A reward is um you don't uh, you don't necessarily work for a reward. Yeah, so if you are a civil servant or an employee of somebody, when they pay you at the end of the month, you do not have to, you do not, well, I think, you don't have to go to your boss and knock on the office door and say, thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm so honored, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you for this reward or for this gift. So a wage is not a gift. A wage is what you get for having done a work. Payments do for labor. So if you did um, marketing, economics, you know, they, they have labor, machinery, Abby? labor, the, when you do labor, the, this thing is wage. But a wage is a remuneration. Something that accrues to you on account of work that you have done. So in Romans chapter 6 verse 23, scripture says, the wages of sin is death. Basically, the salary for sin is death. What you get in return for sin is death, right? Sin and works. So if you're in Word Abiding House, we have established that self-righteousness equals unrighteousness, right? So when you do anything by your own strength, for to gain something from God, you have um, basically, um, Galatians says you have fallen from grace, right? So sin and works have the same result. Sin and works get you the same payment, the same benefits. What you receive at the end is death. And interestingly, this is still true of God today. Now the fact is, because we are in grace, there is a tendency to excuse, 
well, I wouldn't say excuse God, but people try to make excuses for, for God. You know, we've heard certain arguments about how, oh, it wasn't God who did this thing, or it wasn't God who did the other thing. It was that prophet working by himself. It was Moses who gave the Israelites the law via an angel without participation of God. But we have learned that that's not correct, right? The nature of God is the nature of God. If God saw sin today, God would pay that sin with death. Is that true? Yes. So God hasn't changed. He's still paying sin with death. His standards haven't changed. His interaction with us has changed. Right? So now there is an interface between us and God that ensures that certain things that would have accrued to us for some of the things that we did or didn't do do not come to us anymore. Do you understand? That's the point of, of understanding the great exchange. Having um, um, an understanding of what it is that Jesus did and how that makes your life better today. What Jesus did and what that now brings you into it is a terrible place for a son of God to be where you do not know what you have in Christ it's not a good place to be because then they will sell to you as Pablo always says the accessories to your package so they will sell you your iPhone 13 Pro Max and hoard the charger and hoard the earpiece or, or airpods or whatever it comes with and ask you to pay extra to get those add-ons which are a part of a package that should have just come to you at the one time. So the Soteria package with all that it comes with is available to you but you will only benefit from it as much as you know of it. Does that make sense? If you do not know that you have deliverance, you will go for deliverance. The people who go for deliverance are not doing that because oh, someone told them they have deliverance. They, you know, convince them, show them from scripture how that you've been delivered. And then they just say, no, 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 no. I don't want that. I want them to break egg on my head. I want someone to break bottles around me. I just want that kind of dirty life, you know. Yes, so I will go. I want people to eat rice. You know they do that. You eat food with your hands and rub it on people's bodies for to get one thing or the other. So yes, so there's a lot of stuff that people do. And they're not doing those things um, for any other reason than the fact that they're ignorant. That's what scripture says, right? My people perish for lack of knowledge. They perish because they're ignorant, right? So I was saying that God's standards concerning sin haven't changed. Can we look at Exodus, please? Exodus chapter 21, 22 to 25. Or oh, if men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. So they will punish him as the woman's husband first determines. Then he will now pay as the judges determine. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, 
Burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Okay. So, what that means is, if you hurt me, yeah, we'll now have to measure the wound, the injury, right? Check the, the depth and the width, the length and the breadth. You will now... You look for the it probably has to be the same kind of weapon, right? Yeah, because if, if someone maybe stabbed you with a bottle and you use a knife, the the pattern of the injudrix is going to be different. So for the injudrix to look the same, you now use the same weapon. Yeah. So you now measure it and make sure who's read the merchant of Venice, I think it was. Yeah, you um a pound of flesh, yeah. And then they now say, okay, it's a pound of flesh you want. And your contract says a pound of flesh. And a pound of flesh is all you're going to get. So that means when we give you this knife and you are taking out your pound of flesh, don't take any extra and let there not be any blood. Because your contract didn't state anything about blood. So basically in the Old Testament, that was the, that's, that's what the law says in Exodus, right? Life for life. If you took a life, your life would have to go. If you burned someone... They would have to repay your burn. If you, if you broke somebody's finger, someone has to break your finger. If you chopped off somebody's hand. And it was not um, allegorical. You know, life for life is not like you take a literal life and they're going to take an allegorical life, you know? You know, like we're, we're aware that Jesus is going to save you a few years down the line. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to take that spiritual life, man. You ain't going to have it. You're going to live and die. There's not going to be any spiritual life for you. That was not the case. The judges, have you, who were they? Priests. We're going to demand your life of you, right? So why is it different now? Because of what Jesus did. If life was demanded of you, the only way to get out of that there's no way you would not have paid. Do you understand? There is no way for you to have escaped what it is that was required of you to pay. Does that make sense? So the only way would have been for you to trade places with a person or a thing willing and able. Remember that? So um, Pap taught us when we were doing UTG about how Jesus was was a sacrifice that was, it wasn't just available. It was a sacrifice that was worthy. Do you understand? Jesus was a worthy sacrifice. He was worthy to take on the sins of the world. And you, I mean, if, you, if you're in this house, you know the logistics of why, why Jesus was worthy like that. But for now, we're just going to talk about the fact that there's no way that, that my life would have been demanded of me and I wouldn't have had to pay with a life, right? So if someone came to take my place, maybe I was being taken to the gallows, I was going to be hung at the gallows at maybe 3 p.m. on a Sunday, right? And on the way there, somebody just runs up and says, no, you had no kill me in place of them. Somehow convinces them and they kill him instead. If they kill me again, eh, they're not going to have to pay for my life. Does that make sense? Because you, I took a life, and a life was given in my place, even though it wasn't my life. 
Now, if you now came and took my life again after having taken that other person's life, now you owe all of us a life. So you have to pay a life for me. Does that make sense? So the person who you swapped places with had to be someone who was willing and able to take it. Can we all say he swapped it? He did indeed. Yes, Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. See, there are some scriptures you see, eh, and if you don't have Jesus, you should be very afraid. If you have Jesus, you should be very thankful because it just brings more to light what, what you've been saved from. What you've been saved from is, is beyond words. Now, our sins are forgiven because Jesus took his job seriously. Jesus had one job and Jesus did his job and he did it well. So as much as Jesus was able, Jesus also was willing. And then in his willingness, he didn't change his mind along the way. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus hasn't changed his mind. So up till now, scripture says we have an advocate. Not we had at one time an advocate. Not we have a temporary advocate. So that means that Jesus is still very seriously sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And we've been told what that intercession is, right? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, reminding the Father, I took that away. Yes. You know, you, you took my hand for, the, for that hand that was cut off. You burned me for that burn. You took my life for that life that was taken. Jesus is taking his job very seriously. Now you, as son of God, are you taking your job seriously? Because you see, Jesus, Jesus died. Jesus died because of us. We are alive because of Jesus. Pap taught us, and every time Pap teaches, he emphasizes um, doctrine and practice. That means that as sons of God, there is responsibilities, right? So as much as we have rights and privileges as sons of God, we also have responsibilities. Now, if Jesus is still taking his responsibilities seriously, there's no reason why we shouldn't as well. Okay. There's no reason why we shouldn't take our responsibility as sons of God. With as much seriousness as Jesus is taking his, let's not forget, I, I know that sometimes it, get, it gets easy for us to excuse him and the things he does and the things he did. Because maybe we forget that he was actually a man. He was 100% a man. We've been shown scripture after scripture that proves that the guy who went to the cross and took our sin was a man. Felt pain like us. He bled like us. Scripture in Hebrews says we do not have a high priest who is not touched. Do you understand? So that means he is touched. With the same feelings, same emotions, same urges, same um, um, pain and all of that that we have or that we feel. So let's not be quick to excuse him or excuse ourselves out of what Jesus did. Amen. So um, in, I think it's in Ephesians where it says that you who were dead in 
your trespasses has he quickened again. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, right? Yes, 2 verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. My Bible is amplified. It says, you, he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sins. So when Jesus went to the cross, the life that he gave us was spiritual life because that's what we didn't have. Okay. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 3. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been clearly revealed independently and completely apart from the law, though it is actually confirmed by the law and the words and writings of the prophets. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Okay, can we have that in the New King James, please? But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Christ became our death. All the wages for our sin, all the wages for our work, all the wages for our works were put on him. Basically, Jesus had a pay slip for the work he was doing, right? You know, the, you know what your job description is in an establishment where you work. You also know, based on what your agreed salary terms were, what you should be earning at the end of the month. So, in some sorts of establishments, you would get a pay slip where there's a breakdown of what you have earned, if you work for, work for the government, what's been deducted for what, you know, housing and boy boy. So, Jesus Christ got his, his own pay slip and, you know, his reward for his righteousness because it was his righteousness. And then we got a pay slip or we should have gotten a pay slip wherein was stated the reward for our unrighteousness, the reward for our sins and the reward for our works. But somewhere along the line, maybe in the mail, maybe they swapped our addresses, right? And so they send me Jesus's pay slip instead. And then they take my own pay slip where is written death and they hand it to Jesus. Do you understand? So for us now as men, if you got the wrong pay slip and the salary there was lower than what you know you should have earned, you will revolt, right? You will write letters, emails, fax, send a dove, do smoke signal, anything at, and everything to make sure that pay me my money, collect your good. So, but if the money is more, if let's say I'm a messenger, eh, and they send me palm sec pay slip or pay slip that has palm sex um, this thing, salary, I'm not going to go and say, excuse me, sir. <laughs> um, I'm a son of God, sir. I, I only did messenger work, and my salary is not up to this amount, sir. Please reduce, no. Sir, just re please, sir. Please, sir, we don't like those things over here. 
Sir, please reduce it. Yes? But as a man, what you would do, or the only kind of pay slip you would contest was the one that is less or worse than what you earned. But if it is more or better than what you earned, you will hold it with both hands and hope that nobody notices the error. Okay. So for our sin, Jesus' pay slip was reworked. So he has his name, but the earnings aren't his. Did Jesus sin? He was a sinless lamb, right? So Jesus did not sin. Jesus did not have to sin to become sin for us. Such that um, on the cross, all our sins were put on him. And it's not because Jesus sinned. Which again is what we should ask religious folks. So if Jesus didn't sin to become my sin, why do I have to do good to be righteous? Why do I have to be doing good things in order to have righteousness accrue to me? It's an imputed state. So righteousness is imputed to us because of what Christ did, not because of what we could have done. Yeah, so if you now go and read the law, you find that you can't keep them, all of them. And then James chapter 2. Okay, James 2 verse 10. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty That's very scary. That's very scary. So, it it, it makes me, it makes, when I see stuff like that, I shudder. And and also, it brings to mind or makes me understand or realize more how deep and wide the love of God is. Because a guy that can give you this kind of rule, yet still... (laughs) still puts in place the things that he did to make sure that this rule never applies to you. Now, that's, that's, that's a height of love that is yet unseen. Okay. Now, at the swap, we intercepted um, Jesus' payslip, right? I was saying. And it was sent our way. Now, the sinless life that Jesus lived gave us righteousness. So if Jesus died because of me, I should live because of him. Jesus died for me, so I should live for him. So the blood shed for atonement, Papa said this a lot. The blood of Jesus that was shed or the blood of Jesus that was required for atonement of sin wasn't physical blood. We got that. It's not the physical blood of Jesus such that he always says you would need to have a receptacle to pack it and then go and hand it to the Father. That's not the case at all. It wasn't the physical blood of Jesus that saved us. Matter of fact, the physical blood of Jesus in itself was of no consequence. The physical blood of Jesus was inconsequential. Scripture says the life of a thing is in its blood. So now at the shedding of the blood of Jesus, the significance of it is the giving of the life of Jesus, right? So that is what warranted your atonement. That is what warranted our atonement. It wasn't the physical blood of Jesus as such, right? All right. Um, if we were dead in trespasses, that means that we didn't have a life. 
That's what scripture says, right? We were dead in trespasses. That means that we did not have a life to give. That means that there was no actual basis upon which a proper exchange could have occurred. So if it was, if it was some kind of merited thing, right? It would have been that, okay, Jesus had something about as good as what I had. So we just swapped it. Hmm? So he has, um, I don't know, what's the equivalent phone to like an iPhone 13? Maybe Samsung S21 Ultra. Okay, so I have an S22 and Treasure has um, an iPhone 13 Pro Max, right? And after a few weeks, we're like, I'm sure I'm bored with Android. You're like, ah, I'm bored with what's your iOS. So you now say, okay, take out your SIM card. You use my phone for a few weeks because you know that you can still get the exact same features or at least clues from it. But it was nothing like that. We didn't have a life such that we could even, it could even be that we are giving him our life first. Do you understand? That's why Pap always says that we don't give our life to Christ because you didn't have a life to give to Christ. So if you were dead in trespasses, why are you giving to him? But the word says to receive the life of Christ. And the life of Christ was given freely. The life of Christ is on offer freely to everyone who believes. That's what scripture says. There's no place in scripture where you can actually show where it says that we should give our lives to him. We don't have a life to give. So, so for, for sons of God, it behoves you to accept the God life. Yeah. And not just, not just at the point of your receiving Christ, you know, where you say, I believe in what Jesus has done, but to live life fully like you have the life of Christ. And yeah. um, um, Paul says, the life that I now live is not mine, but Christ. It's Christ's life that we now live. So the life we live belongs not to us, but to another. So really, there's, there's, there's a measure to which you can use that life. There's also a way that you will not use that life. That it will be for us fellow men looking at you, you are wasting the life of Christ. Do you understand? You can't have the life of Christ and now and believing Yes, living less than one who has the life of Christ. The life of Christ um, um, comes with it um, a weight of responsibility. It brings with it a weight of responsibility. It calls you into more, so much more than just, you know, all of that church activity, all of that kuriakus. There is more that you come into. Or that, is, or that is required of you because you have the life of Christ. And now I understand that um, as life happens, it can get easy to forget what you have, what's yours in Christ. That's why I, I started by saying that don't be a son of God who doesn't know. You cannot be a son of God and be unaware of your place in Christ. You can't be a son of God and be unaware of what Christ did for you on the cross. You cannot be a son of God and be unaware of the terms of this agreement by which you merited life. Does that make sense? There's an agreement. It's signed in blood. 
and the blood is not yours in the first place. You cannot be unaware of the terms, the fine print. You can't be unaware of what that contract says. Because therein lies your life. Therein lies the fullness of your expression as a son of God. In the knowing, in the knowledge, lies your appropriation. For you to correctly appropriate all that Christ has given you. From new life to healing. You have to know. Now, life is going to happen. Life is going to come at you. From left, right, and center. And for, for some persons, you've seen it all. You know, things have happened and unhappened and re-happened. And people have left you and um, stuff has failed. Um, you've had betrayals. There's all of that. But none of it equates to what Jesus did. And none of it equates to the level. When we say we are not mere men, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's not a joke. Yes. Because you see, a time is coming and that time is now. Yes. There is only one thing that will stand you apart. And there is only one thing that will be worth reckoning with. And that's your position as a son of God. If you do not know of that position, you rob yourself. Guys, when we talk about eternity to come, it gives me a lot of joy. Yeah? Because you're living this life and it doesn't look, you don't look like much. Maybe it doesn't look like anything is happening. But can you imagine what is laid ahead for you? Imagine what is laid ahead for you just because you believed rightly. Pav always says that we do not get any of what we have because we work right, right? Or because we do right, but because we believed right. Now, as much as that, that, that is good, it's, it's very sobering, at least for me. It makes me think about the fact that I literally did nothing. All I had to do was believe in what somebody else had done. I chose to believe that somebody did it. I chose to believe that he did it the way he did it. I chose to believe that what he did will do for me what he says it will do. And that's the end of the matter. That's all that I need to do. So in spite of what life throws at me, in spite of what I go through, in spite of what I see, failings and failures and successes as well, none of that compares to the glory scripture says that is laid ahead for us. The, the glory that is laid ahead of us. So when we shout glory. See, some things, some things will always make more sense upon having arrived at knowledge. Yes, yeah, so, so I, I won't even lie to you when it comes to like the show shouting that's not my thing. But when we talk about the message of the gospel of Christ, and then you, scripture is open and thank God it is your own Bible. Everything that is shown to you is from out of your own Bible, a copy of which you should have. Hard and soft. Yes? Yes. And so you, you see it in your Bible, right? And that's what God has done for you. 
Now, I don't know how much of a son of God you are if you're going to be doubting what you have seen that God did for you. I can understand not believing if someone tells you that, ah, Jesus died for Mika. Maybe you will not believe. Do you understand? But when they tell you he died for you, you will. How low does your esteem have to be for you to doubt that Jesus did what he said that he did? For you. Not for some other person. I can understand that makes a lot of sense when you look at people and you want to judge them by the things that you see. It makes a lot of sense to doubt that Jesus did not die for this one. But what, what reason have you to doubt what Jesus did for you? So, is it low self-esteem or is it pride? As Pav would always say that, that low self-esteem is just pride posturing. Pride that is just masking as something else. Because if you are not proud, though, you will not be doubting God. If Jesus went to the cross and said what he did on the cross, it's finished. And you doubt Jesus. It's very somehow, you are, very, you are a very somehow person. Like the Israelites. So they were murmuring. Eh? They were murmuring um, just against Moses. It wasn't just that Moses came out of his tent and said, today the tribe of Zebulon shall sweep my tent. And people will be like, last week, last week, now we sweep. Today again, now me go come sweep, sweep. I know they sweep, oh, I know they like that kind of thing. And you tell me that I should come and sweep. Last week, I sweep. <laughs> but <laughs> it can't be, it's, it's not that. Moses came to them with an instruction that was from God. Remember when they said that Moses should go and hear God and come to them. There was a time that God probably was willing to speak to them upon that mountain, right? He said no one should come close enough to touch the mountain. Anyone that touches the mountain should be stoned. An animal that touches the mountain should be stoned. So, so, so Moses now is messenger of God, clearly. We have agreed that, Mo, I know that God called you, but now we too have called you. Be the one to be answering God for us. Be the one to be hearing from God for us. And then Moses now comes to the same people and he gives them an instruction from God. And you murmur against God. You are, see, of, of transgressions, you, your transgression is very transgressional. Like there is a height of transgression and iniquity. Yeah, that one is iniquity. So, your transgression is very iniquitous. Yeah. So you have arrived at the height of sins and sorrow, trials and tribulation. You are at the very top echelon of it. Because how are you doubting God? But it is still you, deep in religion, that will still quote that scripture to us in church that we should not murmur against God. But then when we tell you your sins are forgiven you, you are murmuring. That's what you are doing. So when you say all sorts of things that do not agree with the truth of God's word. Romans says the gospel is power. And we're taught why is it power? Because it reveals the righteousness of God. So if you do not have an understanding of God, you do not have an understanding of the righteousness of God. Therefore, you do not know the righteousness of God. You are lacking, basically, in basic knowledge of what the righteousness of God is. You have no clue what it is. So if somebody knows this gospel and shares it with you, however simply or elaborately they put it, it is for your benefit that you believe it. Because it is 
the word of God. God is not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Everything we learn of the gospel. Everything we learn about the gospel. I always remind myself of how Pav has taught us. That when Jesus said, I didn't come to um, do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. I like to remind myself of the weight of what that fulfillment actually means. So there's nothing in scripture that should be discarded. The fact that you are a New Testament believer would not mean that you would discard something in, in the Old Testament. Just because you do not understand it. Maybe you don't understand it now, but you will. Because you will grow. But more importantly, never forget that the New Testament is there to reveal what is hidden in the old. So as you go along in your growth, there's stuff that you will stumble across. And the New Testament is going to unpack it. The New Testament is going to reveal it. You are going to be fine. You will be alright. As far as knowledge and understanding. Because um, it is promised us in Ephesians, right? Until we all come. Which means we will all come. Yeah? Pap said a few weeks ago that there is nothing, no instruction or no word from out of scripture that, that, that hangs in a vacuum such that if that instruction came to you, you do not have the equipping or the ability to carry it out. But because it exists in scripture, therein lies the equipping that you need. Right? Ephesians 4.13. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Till we all come. So we are assured that at some point, we're all going to come. For me, oh, it would be nice if we all came there very, very fast. The sooner, the better. The earlier, the sooner. You know? Chap, chap. Because there are things to do. Was, that, was it a hymn or something that was sung on Friday? And he said something like, if, we, if when we have been in his court or in his presence for 10,000 years, it would just be, we will have no lesser days to sing. Basically, after 10,000 years in God's presence, we still have more than 10,000 more. Bro! Yes. You guys, you don't understand. 10, yes. Do you know what is 10,000 years? Yes. How old are me? Oh, you are in the, oh, yes. in the flesh, yes. bodily. You're going to be tangible. Yes. Your, the body you are com- that is coming is going to be tangible. Eh? You will see your other you know, fellow person in the kingdom and you will give them high five. And you will hug them. Because we are all together in this. So, so, so when, so when Pav taught us that ah, you will recognize, how, if you don't recognize them, how will you know? Boss my brain. Guys, I look forward to it. I look forward to what is mine in Christ. And I'm not just talking, you know, growth and maturity in the earth, all those other things in the earth, food in the earth. No, no. That's great. Eh? It is great that we are going to have all those things, all those material things. But what's most important, guys, is that this mortal coil, this mortal realm will pass away. But we won't. Hidden in Christ, in God. It's not just words, guys. 
The future that awaits the believer is beyond just words. So when scripture says, when scripture says that these words are spirit and life, and this scripture also says that the letter kills, it is necessary for you to open your eyes so that you see what you need to see out of the scripture because there is more for you in Christ, in God, than what is being sold to you, than what it is that you are holding on to now. We have so much more. So when we sing, we have hope. Some of us will sing it very differently. Because maybe you are hoping for your results that was missing to be found. But my hope is beyond that. The things I am hoping for are beyond the things that you can see. Do you know what? What is results? There's a place we are going. Where the things that are more important. Scripture says of that city. There will be no need for sun. God himself is the light of that city. The streets of that city paved with gold and precious stones. And let me tell you guys. Let me tell you guys. The streets are paved with gold. The Bible calls it gold. Because we can identify with gold. But it is beyond gold. It will not be gold though. That's just for you to get the enormity of the, you know, so that you know as, you know, it's worth so much. You know, if you're counting in carats, you know, oh, it's worth that much. But it's going to be far more than gold. It's going to be far more than gold. The precious stones that will be in that city, it's beyond what we can grasp as mere men. That's why when we're talking sometimes about, you know, the deity of Jesus, and Paul sometimes tells us, calm down, leave some things. Because you see, there's a lot in scripture that is written the way it's written. Just so that you can have maybe an idea. Because the weight of it is too much. Imagine um, something like the word Yahweh. And then um, Pap teaches us that the... Jews would not speak it. And then every time they would write the first letter, they would have to rinse the brush before writing the next one. That's, that's, another word is hallelujah. In every language, it's hallelujah. We haven't been able to translate it. Does that give you a glimpse of what it is that is not here? There is so much that as far as these words are, are concerned, as they are being put together... Your human existence, your human limitations cannot grasp them. So think further than the things that you see. As revelation comes, grab it with open hands because this is for me, this is mine and more. We're coming into revelation every day, every day. Every new day, something comes to you. Something is taught you. You stumble upon something in scripture. Receive it with rejoicing. With great rejoicing. Because when you see it, multiply it by a thousand. Multiply it by infinity. That gives you a glimpse of how much you cannot grasp. It's just a minute glimpse of what is to come. 
So this life that we have, guys, is far more precious than silver or gold. Listen, it doesn't matter what you're battling with. The life that you have in Christ is so pure. It's so pure. The life we have in Christ is so pure that we have an assurance that transcends time. So when we read that scripture where it says the wages of sin is death, it goes on to talk about a free gift. And that free gift is what? Eternal life. And we have been taught that God cannot give us anything of less quality than he is. So what that means is if God promises, promises eternal life, stretch your imagination to what eternal means to you. And then stretch it some more. And tomorrow when you wake up, stretch it some more. Every day you live as a believer, it's an opportunity for you to stretch your faith in Christ. Scripture assures us that we are living from faith. Before we get to the other faith, let us expand this faith, the one we have now. Use it eh, to the highest height. Ring every drop of life out of that faith you have been given here and now. Because you know why? When you get to the other side, they will give you another faith. So use this one. From glory to, to glory, right? So there was the glory that was passing away. And it's now passed with the old covenant. And then we come and there's a new covenant. We come into it. Do we not have glory here? Are we not using the glory? So if you have been assured of faith to faith. And you have the first level of faith here. Brothers and sisters. I don't know about you. But I intend to use every drop of faith. I intend to stretch it. As far as it can go. I intend to push that faith. The faith go tired for me. Eh? You gave me the faith. And I'm to use it. I'm going to use it. So don't go into God's word. Pavel says don't go into God's word. With preconceived notions. But even more today. Go into God's word. Ready to stretch your faith. Go into God's word. Ready to. Hey. Okay. 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 Turn around and stretch it in your head. And look at that scripture again. And tell yourself, okay, 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 I have that. Okay, let's stretch it some more. Because we are going further than that. There's limitations. There's always going to be limitations to, our, to a lot of, of things. Pap taught us about how this, you know, mortality is consistently and constantly going to be groaning. Just as nature itself is growing for our, growing for our manifestation as sons. Uh-huh. So as we are groaning, that's a limitation in itself, right? But as much as lies within our power, we're going to use every ounce of faith that we have. We're going to live by every ounce of faith we've been given. Because that's what we're called into. Yes. So when you are handed your faith, you now become a son of God and there's something for you to do now. You're not working to receive it. Now you have received it. Work it. Work your faith. Stretch it. Make sure that everyone looking at you looks at you and goes, "Mm mm-mm. That's the kind of son of God I want to be. And it may not look like it's going to happen right away. But you see, we're not going to give up. Because we are sons of God. It's not in our DNA to give up. 
It's not in our DNA to throw in the towel. So every new day, you're going to wake up and tell yourself, yeah, I failed at this yesterday. Yeah, this person laughed at me yesterday. Yes, I was mocked for this yesterday. Yes, I got a rejection email yesterday. Oh, yes, my body has been down for the last one month, but I intend to go again. I intend to fully live the life of Christ out. I intend to milk it for all it's worth. Let Jesus himself say, uh-uh. Bro, son of man. I intend to use it. Do you understand? See, before finding myself in the gospel, there's a lot of fear I used to live with. There's a lot of doubt and uncertainty. I would be plagued by doubt and uncertainty. See, now eh, I'm a very careless person. See, there's that English they speak around here. I care less. Look, I am very careless. The only things that concern me now are the things that this word says should concern me. So I wake up in the morning trying to ensure that I don't try to be a son of God. I wake up in the morning living the life of Christ as little as I can. And to the next day, add a little more and take more of a step. Listen, as much as we say that growth is evident, you know, growth doesn't hide. Everybody's going to see when you're growing. Don't yourself doubt your own growth. Because the truth of the matter is there's things that only you know that you deal with. There's things that only I know I'm dealing with. Matter of fact, I may not have known that I had this problem. Such that by the time the Holy Spirit begins to work, it is after the work has been done. And I'll say to myself, this wasn't you before. But something has changed that I didn't realize was a problem when I had it. Does that make sense? So, look at yourself every day. Tap yourself on the back. Mika, you are trying. Okay, it's a new day. Let's go again. We're not ever going to give up. We are not mere men. Men give up, right? It's a man thing. Because of mortality, because of weakness. At some point, you're just going to say, you know what? This is fine and okay for me. I've come as far as I can go. I'm tired of stretching. I'm tired of pushing. So I'm just going to accept this as it comes. But that's not true of you as a son of God. You are energized by the spirit of God on your inside. So you can't live less than one who has the spirit of God. And so you will not give up where others are giving up. So when others are running 10,000 miles, you can go 20,000. And then stretch some more. We have life. Life that doesn't need validation to thrive. The life of God that we have, the life that Jesus gave us, doesn't need validation to thrive. That means people do not have to speak well of you for it to be true that you have the life of Christ. Things do not have to exactly be going great for it to be true that you have the life of God. You have the life of God and you failed an exam. You have the life of God and you are still looking for a job after four years of leaving university. Now those things, whether they are there or not, is not the validation that God, the life of God needs. The life of God just is. 
and it is yours. So it's very possible that you might not look different today than you did the first day you heard the truth of the gospel. And that's fine. It's very likely that you look in the mirror and you probably still see the same crazy Raz girl. You probably look in the mirror and you still see the kind of person that, hmm, people really don't think you matter. Or someone who's really not doing much with themselves. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. And that's why we have the word of God. That's a deadly combination. That's a... If you mix it together, eh, it's such an explosion, such a conflagration of flames in you that you cannot sit still. Yeah, so in the meantime, eh, as you are becoming and growing and becoming more of what the life of Christ will get you to be, take the word of God seriously. Because like I said, you won't amount to much as a son of God if you don't know what God's word says about you. So take God's word seriously. Guard what you have learned with your life. Guard this gospel that has been revealed to you with your life. The disciples said to Jesus, where would we go? You have the words of life. There is nothing, guys, there is nothing not a thing that should ever take you to the point where you doubt God's word or look for something to pad it up, to make it worse more. I mean, we went out, we heard all sorts of things. We spoke to people who knew God, but they believed that Adam has another wife. We, we saw it from philosophy to spiritism to everything else. And Bob has told us, Now, all of that is just man's effort at making sense of all of this. Man is just, man is just doing. Man is just, just blindly doing something to make sense of something. Remember, it is said or we've been told that man is not made to just sit and collect and collect and collect. Right? You want to feel like you are involved. There's that sense of, of responsibility that every man requires, no matter how lazy you are. You want to feel like you had a part to play. And we're seeing it everywhere. But I'm going to leave you guys with this. Guard what you have received with your life. The life of Christ that you have is real and tangible. It's more tangible than everything you can see, touch, feel, taste right now. So let nothing, let no one, anywhere at all, doesn't matter who they are, um, Paul speaking, speaking to the saints says, says it doesn't matter whether we or an angel comes to you. See, there are some things you hear and see that you should take very seriously. Because it is going to be the difference between life or death. And I mean that very seriously. There are certain things that we see that are the difference between life and death. Jesus said, I put before you life and death, right? And he goes on to say, I would that you choose life that you might live. If you have chosen life, if you have chosen life, you better live. If you have chosen life, you better be living it until you live it. Yes? So live life until you live it. Hallelujah.
Okay, let's read Romans chapter 8 from verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Next verse. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And today we've learned of one of such free things that we have. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, (laughs) yet in tribulations, yet in trials, yet in sickness, yet in peril, yet in distress, Yet, at the edge of the sword, we are more. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors. What abiding house, can we just pray that in for a few minutes? We have life. We are assured of life. Oh, there is life that is ours. Life that now belongs to us. Hallelujah. God, we thank you. We thank you for an inexhaustible supply of life. We thank you for a superior quality of life. We thank you, God, for every assurance in your word for us as sons. We thank you for the depths of your love that brings us into so much more. More than words and more than we can fathom or understand. We thank you because today we choose life, oh God. Father, today we declined the wage that was ours. And we accept with open arms the gift that you gave. We're going to use this gift, oh God. We're going to be responsible sons of our Father. We're going to bring you joy, oh God. We're going to appropriate all that is ours in you, oh God, because then are you pleased. We're going to take advantage of all that you have given us because that is what pleases you, oh God. Never again are we going to doubt, doubt ourselves, ourselves in you. 
Because we're reminded today that this life isn't ours. So we intend to use it just like the one who owns it would. So as we carry you around, oh God, we're going to take you to the right places. And as you move us around, oh God, we're not going to resist your move. We're going to go where you would go, Father. We'll talk as you, we'll do like you. We'll change lives in the earth like you're doing. Like you did. Greater works than these. That's what you said. So that's what we'll do. Until the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of Christ as the waters cover the sea. Every new day, oh God, we make a conscious decision to do God. We make a conscious decision to live life, to live this life, to live your life just like you would. The way that you would have us. And we thank you always for it, oh God. We take nothing for granted. Not the spirit in us, not the revelation of the word. Not the ease with which you work with us. Not that you have given us as a house. We take nothing for granted. For nothing is ours that wasn't first yours. And we give you all our praise, oh God. Come on, what abiding house. Rejoice in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now this might be something that we've heard before, guys. But as Paul would always say, and as Paul himself says, it is profitable for us that we're reminded of these things. It is profitable for us that we are reminded of these things. It is profitable for us that we're reminded of these things. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at whilethechurch. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.